It is May the 12th, 2015, and this is the audio podcast at show 151, Free Hertz Upgrade. Hello, I'm Samuel Freeman, that's Scott Hewitt, and this is the audio podcast. And Adam Yant is still away, I think he'll be back next week. We were away last week, and yeah, the show notes are online at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 151. Cool stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it's been a little bit of a a little yeah. bit of a slow week news wise, but we have managed to gather some news. We've got some good plunder this week, though. I think some some very good plunder this week. So we can uh, we'll get there when we get there. But to start with, we'll go straight into the news. And um, a U- Universal Audio have uh, released a, a software update version eight point one. Um, and within there, you get a the, there is a new emulation of the Neve eight eight RS channel strip uh, with the collection that they have there. Softube's developed Marshall Plexi Super Lead 1959 that I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago, actually. Well, Adam was here when we talked about it last, so it may have been a few more than a couple of weeks ago. And also a TubeTech CL1B comp- compressor, and that's all part of the new uh, 8.1 software release. So that's pretty... It's got, it's got the um, that Marshall Plexi thing in there as well, which we... Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, yeah, maybe... <laughs> Maybe this would be dwelling on this story more than necessary, but last time we talked about plugins, we were talking about Marshall having released their own versions of things. Now, is that what this is, or is this the Universal Audio emulation of a Marshall? Is this a, is this a Marshall Marshall plugin, or is this a UA Marshall plugin? I confused. It's the it, no, it's a Soft Tube Marshall plugin it's on UA. Okay, is what it is. But isn't the but as a SoftTube one wasn't the SoftTube one developed with Marshall? Yes, but let's. So, uh, wait, they said it's a Marshall. I mean, program. they wouldn't have put the name on it otherwise. Perhaps I don't know. Uh, oh we... yeah, because normally they normally they cryptically describe them as things which are quite clearly what they are cryptically described as, aren't they? So yeah. Did that make sense? Yes, it I did. Think it did. Yeah. yeah. Indeed, so it did. It did. It did. We think it did. Yep. We're confident it did. It made sense. It, it did make sense. It's just what doesn't make sense is the is the hangover. I, I remember talking about the Marshall Marshall plugins and was all saying, but why and what? And now this has come up in the possibly the following show from that. I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> Fantastic. Cool. There we go. So that, that's a that's a plugin. Um now if you're not interested in streaming, um we'll see you next week. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll skip to the plunder if you can. I'll skip to the plunder. Yes, we'll skip to the plunder. We'd be able to tell you what time stamp that was at, but actually, you know, we don't. I'll, I'll put a tag. I'll put a YouTube tag on it for them. Amazing. That's nope. that's commitment for you. That's post production. That is okay. <laughs> so, so what we got is a, a whole load of. Um, well, first of all, it is um, you know the end of April, the beginning of um, yeah, the end of April, the beginning of the May, beginning of the May, beginning of May is a filing season so we get a lot of financial reports coming out and obviously for the last couple of years one of the biggest kind of trends has been the streaming services it's me here uh, it's been the streaming services so we got a whole load of reports about streaming services so first of all though a slightly the beginnings of could well it could be an investigation um apple are potentially in trouble over the way they've been handling spotify in what way in what way? Oh, I was going to mute my iPad here while you took that one. I'm sorry. That's okay. Sorry. Adam. That's all right. I'm done. It's muted. In what way? Um, apparently, now, it's very difficult to report these kind of stories because 
when you're reporting the beginnings of a investigation which may be unfounded it's incredibly difficult to uh, refer to it as accurately as you maybe hope but allegedly there is a discussion about the fact that perhaps Apple encouraged people to stop supplying Spotify licenses to play for their free music service their free streaming service I think is the I think that's an appropriate way of describing the situation so the link in our show notes goes to the verve.com story from a couple of days ago um, where it says and so the way that they phrase it is the verge has learned that Apple has been pushing major music labels to force streaming services like Spotify to abandon their fit fee tiers which is pretty much what you just said but yeah, we got that word fact in there. <laughs> yes. So it is the, you know, now if it's the case, then there is obviously a lot of, you know, a lot of, cons well, you know, I mean, it, it's a bit antisocial perhaps. At the same point, if we consider our next story, well, one of our next stories is for fun here, uh, Rhapsody, the streaming service who don't have a freemium service um lost their uh, 21 million last year so well, but they there isn't <laughs> which is more than they lost the year before which is more than they, than they lost the year before but they've been losing money you know the whole time the last three years yeah so it's so so the kind of joined up story of the whole thing is to say that the uh you know I mean, Apple, I think, are, are kind of pushing the agenda, which says that the freemium streaming services are are cannibalizing and eating the whole industry, and they need to be ended as quickly as possible. Otherwise, people are never going to. Otherwise, the industry is going to just cease to be sustainable. And the kind of point. But then the interesting side is when you point at Rhapsody and discover that's a company who only have paid streaming services, and are making a loss. It's quite a. It's a bit of a problem. Hmm. And as well as as well as the um, chart describing the loss there, there is the revenue, and the revenue is pretty high, really. And you know, is is up. The revenue is up as well as the loss has been up or down. So I don't know. I don't get these things at all. In fact, on the theme of not getting how these things work, we'll come to example number three of streaming things, which was is or was GrooveShark.com, which I don't know. I certainly. When the audio podcast first started all those years ago, um, we did talk about Spotify quite a lot at the time, and I was I was um, free user of that at first, and a subscriber at first, and I dropped it for multiple reasons, and then gradually picked up the casual use of GrooveShark and as a, as a free user, and didn't really know that much about it. Was always a bit confused as to how I had access to all this music for free with relatively unintrusive adverts. And apparently it's because they weren't licensing it. I don't know. It all seems <laughs> they, they have now closed their doors. If you go to groovesshout.com now, you will find a message saying that it's completely shut down. And it says something about them having made mistakes. So they made mistakes and they say, we failed to secure licenses from rights holders for a vast amount of music on the service. This was wrong. We apologize without reservation. Yet it was running for years. Well, yes, it, it it was running for years, and it was, I think, quite quite well regarded, wasn't it? They did a couple of crazy things, though, didn't they, Groove Shark? Like, 
what one of the ones the group group shark was the service by which you could upload it, it was quite clever in terms of being very kind of web orientated as i like i like that's how i describe it because it was the service where you could upload your own music to it and then they would recommend music you'd uploaded to people who you had you know the kind of like the friend relationship on GrooveShark with as music they might like and thus automatically supply your illegally copied music to other people. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, that was, that was part, of how, part of how the service works. And then added to that, they also had staff members who were, who, who, it, was, who it was reported were paid to upload CDs themselves <laughs> to the service as well. So there was just a, so a couple of people sat up there. As an artist to upload your own music. I didn't realize that I'm so naive. I <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize that random people could just sign up, you know, it's like a... that they had nothing in place to stop you site uploading someone else's commercially yeah. released music. That's entirely insane. You know, Paul McCartney just spent a lot of time in, in Minnesota and was just, you know, just on holiday there uploading his own music. That's just how it was. It, it's it, it's funny, isn't it? And saying, well, it, it, you know, what I mean, it's funny. The the follow on we didn't put it in the show notes because I figured there's only so much financial reporting you can put in, and these ones were from earlier. These ones were actually from late April, but um, the Spotify figures came out as well, and Spotify lost 181 and a half million last year, which is a just like I don't know. It just shows how ridiculous the concept of money is. Like you could lose. How can you lose that much money? How can you have that much money to start with to lose it? We don't. No one actually has that money. Where did, yeah, it didn't fall out of their pocket, did it? It's not. No, no, no. It's not down the back but, of the sofa. <laughs> yeah, it's just sat there. It just, just giant. The sofa is slightly on one end, like slightly, <laughs> slightly, massively level. So, I guess it's but. As an observation, or perhaps as a suggestion to it, I think the, the sustainability of the music industry has always been a problem, hasn't it? And I think the the large the large labels have a tendency to survive doing very um, very business, very finance orientated things. So we have those, you know, we had the um, the big consolidations of the kind of late nineties, where you know there was a question about sustainability of the labels again. The small labels were in problems, and all the big labels just bought all the small labels, and then it was fine. Like, cause you know, you had that, that kind of thing happened. And at the same point, certainly in the UK, all of the kind of high street CD retailing has basically collapsed and gone. And while a lot of people kind of say, well, that's because everybody wants to buy stuff from iTunes and that's what wants to happen. You have to think that the record, the, the, the industry did a really bad job of supporting the CD retailers, you know, to, to the, to the, you know, even, even now, if, even now they still, they, they, you know I mean? They're, they're still, I don't think, really supporting those people in the way that you would want to if you wanted them to survive. And I think this is the same story, isn't it? It's where the streaming services are probably not sustainable. They're, they're, they're not profitable. They're not making any money. But if the labels, you, you get the impression that the labels would rather they go out of business paying licensing that they can't afford to pay than for them to continue in business supplying music. And you just want... And, Saying obviously it's their pro you know it's the it's the industry's product for them to sell at whatever price they want to so that's kind of fair enough if if I believe there was a really good coherent plan for how music was going to be supplied to other people but you know I mean like I don't get the impression there's a master plan that they're you know 
behind this that they're going to do something really awesome at the other you know at the other side i just get the feeling that the the plan is to you know continue to shut down services they don't like and to continue to get youtube to delete videos that people upload and well i was gonna say just keep going, isn't it? There. Like a lot of streaming goes on through that it seems to me like observation people seem to yeah. still be using youtube as a go-to for listening to mixes and yeah i think it's quite i'm saying that there could have been we should have we could have had a streaming special really couldn't we but um title obviously uh went um well yeah disappeared into a small uh splashing of water as they you say so see they were um talking about a relaunch of title and part of the apple story is because it is expected that there's going to be a relaunch of the beats streaming services as well um you you know my, my suspicion is the beat streaming service is going to become an apple seller and it's just going to be part of you know i mean it's like oh you you have a you know you have an iphone therefore you get the beat streaming service and that will essentially be it and I can imagine. And do you think that streaming service will be high resolution? Are we allowed to segue from news into plunder, or is that? <laughs> yeah, why not? Of course, of course, we can do. You, you, you were feeling exhausted by that. Let's let's ponder. Let's let we indeed so. There we go. So, is is it going to be high resolution? Um, well, it, it interests. This is from the Polo story, isn't it? This it is, is what yeah. Beats it's, got a brief mention in there. Indeed, so yes. That's headphones, not as a streaming service. <laughs> they, yes, they they did, didn't they? Indeed. So, um. We've headed into the plunder here, but um, one of the plunder items is last week on Triangulation, which is on the Twit network, uh, Leo Laporte interviewed Neil Young. Um, Neil Young in his capacity as the, I don't know, the head of Pono Music, who make the uh, awesome, well, the who make the triangular Pono player, of which if Adam was here, he would wave one on the screen, but he's not here. So, yeah. Yeah. so yep, this is... Okay, let's let's keep it. Let's try and I said the segue was because what we were talking about was kind of related or could have been, but questions of quality is what comes to mind with Pono and mm -hmm. the mention of beats in there was to the question of how do you listen? So, you know, where is it coming from? Is are you streaming it or are you buying it from iTunes and playing it from some device? And if so, what what is it that you care about? What what why are you doing it? Like. Neil Young would like for people to actually listen to music and for it not to be just background noise that's there permanently and for people to be able to hear it properly, apparently. Um, he's been on that trip for years and years and years. I've, I remember at least 10 years ago reading an article where he was talking about how much he didn't like the CD format and only now that higher resolution digital stuff was available was he even slightly interested in digital reproduction of analog stuff. And now he's like out there shouting about it he's gone from not wanting to be anywhere near digital to saying this is the way to do it yeah um but yeah skip it skip it to the end doesn't it um perhaps we do need adam for this but the headphone thing the headphone thing the I, that was not where i was expecting you to go this time i'm sorry that's okay where where would where would you go with this then i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it there let's so again if we treat it as a you know treating it as a news item just a moment if we treated it as a news item momentarily pono is a toblerone shaped play music kind of audio player which plays really high resolution which is designed to play high resolution audio so it will play up to 192 24 bit audio um, that's it. That that's what it is. 
Um, I think myself, like other people, well, quite a few of people have been fairly negative about it, um, just just in terms of principle, really. And saying, I think the, the, the fundamental problems I have is I think it completely forgets the cool benefits of being digital. And that's why digital music has been so popular and successful, because it's things like, you know, you... I think they were joking themselves, but you know, you put a 64 gig uh, micro SD card in it and you get, you know, 10 to 15 albums. That's uh, you know, the, the cool thing of your iPod was the fact you could take like every piece of music you'd ever listened to with you. And but that's the, the, the thing is there is, is it quality or quantity that you're after? Why do mm. you need three days of music in your pocket? When, for what reason would you, you know, in what situation mm. would you be planning to go out of the house with more than five albums, what are you what are you going to be doing with it? When, you know, in what what situation are you going to be listening to these things? So, well, well, certainly, I I, I, would, I would concede that point to you. Uh, certainly, in, in that case. But he also made some suggestions where he he talked about the. So as as you said, his concern was most people treat music as some sort of background thing that they're not really paying attention to, and he suggested that's because of a quality issue. But I've, I'm I'm not sure I would say that is a quality issue particularly. I. He was talking about people having emotional responses to music. And I think people have emotional responses to music, regardless of the quality of it. It's whether they have a emotional connection to the piece of music that's already, that's an existent, you know, already maybe. I don't think that, I don't think he was saying that music's become wallpaper and background because of the quality. I think that what he's saying is that people haven't noticed the quality get worse because it's just background now, because no one's paying, because generally speaking people are not paying much attention to it and so they don't and so they don't notice that the quality is rubbish and that you're only getting i think the number he used was five percent of the master so if the 192 version of a recording is is 100 percent, then by the time yeah. you get down to an mp3 you've only got 55 percent of that information so that's true and it is i'm saying certainly we're not arguing around the validity of the higher of the higher resolution rates here either because i was having this conversation with somebody and we were talking about what do you do what what do you do with low quality masters you know from say early early digital recording systems or from poorly aligned tape machines and i was trying to make the point to them that <clears throat> the higher the resolution sampling rates then the more accurate representation of the master you get. So if the final recorded master was grotty, then one presumes the artist was happy with that. And therefore you want the highest quality version. You want the highest quality digitization of the grotty analog recording because that is what they, that's what they made. So there is a, there isn't, there's no question in my mind about the fidelity of the higher sampling rates at all. I just don't, I, I'm just not convinced that this is the direction that's going to save s save the music industry. I don't. I don't think you know. I, I don't see it as a question of higher quality, higher quality, and I, and and partially because from you know it, it's a weird angle to take this idea of well we're going to you know make a really high. I know the Pono player is designed to be used static as well as portable, which is part of the reason for its weird shape. This triangular shape is to kind of make it obvious that it's not really for purely portable use. But at the same point, you know, I mean, like people need to improve. We need listening environments to improve significantly and things like this. And that's just not the, well, it's, it's not the case. I, I have, as an illustration, um, I have a, a, I have a Windows, a Samsung Windows box from a couple of years ago, which I run Linux on, no fear everybody. Um, and it's uh, digital to analog converter is, 
just horrific to the extent where if you want to listen to anything from it, you have to unplug it from the mains or put a DI box in the way. Like before you can plug it into any sort of hi-fi. It just like it's head that's how bad the audio out on it is. And it strikes me that that's, you know, that's like the fundamental problem, you know, far before we need to start looking into high resolution audio systems. I'm saying until the, you know. But that's exactly what the Pono offers. That's the, yeah. the triangular shape of it is that inside that box, you've not just got a mini operating system and some data storage and a flat screen display. You've got a high quality D to DAC and also a high quality headphone amp. They claim. Yeah. So, so that if you, and it has a line out as well. So if you did want to plug it into anything, anything you plug it into, even if it's Beats headphones, you get, you're putting into your listening environment, whether it's headphones or a room, something that is as high as it can be. So it, the idea that in the studio, things are in professional studios, things are mastered to this high level and that's the finished product. And then it goes through these stages of distribution and then reproduction, and then you hear it. If you squeeze that middle bit through, even through the CD layer or through mm. AAC or MP3, then you're just, you're doomed. There's no, it doesn't matter what you put on the end. You could have the nicest amplifier, nicest room, nicest speakers. But if you're just going to play an MP3 through it, then kind of what's the point? Or as you're saying, if you're going to play something through a dodgy DAC, um, then well, then you're not going to get anywhere near what you're playing back. Even if you play a 96 kilohertz 24-bit file back through your little notebook thing there, you know, yeah. there's no point where it, so I think that the Pono ideology is to have a physical device that is capable of delivering what's on offer. And then after yeah. that, you know, it's up to you how far you want to take that, but at least you're starting with the correct thing. Yeah, just come. I, I take your point. I was, I was, I've seen lots of Neil Young interviews, and they, he usually annoys me, to be honest. Even though I agree with what, a lot of what he says, and I've enjoyed much of his music in my life, um, this is the first interview I've actually enjoyed all the way through. I think maybe, maybe the people interviewing him are, are sometimes more antagonistic than this guy was. But uh, in any case, yeah, it was good. But for the indeed so well, I certainly I enjoyed the interview as well. I actually watched it live, and um, but so I would certainly recommend recommend it to you. You can get it for free. You can stream it or download it, and it's from uh, twit.tv, and it was the triangulation episode with Neil Young. So you can or you can obviously get the link from the audiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash one five one. Talking about uh, things of. Uh, I, I don't know what the segue would be. Uh, the history of Fruity Loops Studio, or FL, or sorry, the history of Fruity Loops, or FL Studio. There's an article online all about it from ImageLine. How cool is that? FL Studio history, yep. Yeah. <laughs> they... <laughs> sorry, the reason I laugh is that even though, even on their the first entry on here, the 1998, um, item there is that the first oh no i'm on page 17 nope. that's why sorry the first entry. december the 18th 1997 that sounds like it could be a audio podcast quiz question <laughs> for, the, for later on this year for, for christmas was the first release of free loops how cool was that wow 
so that, that's pretty cool. You can go read it. There you go. If you're if you're a free loops user, you would you might find this interesting. If you're into the history of doors, which I'm kind of quite into actually, then right. it is kind of cool as well. I definitely recommend it to you. This is something that this is definitely newly published. I've yeah I've done some things in the past couple of years looking at history of DAWs and comparing things. And I know fruit loops is often mentioned and cited. This is um a new resource that wasn't there before. So it would be interesting to put this side by side with other developments of that those decades. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like that. So ninety seven. So we're in fifteen now. So in two years time, there'll be a round numbered anniversary of this thing. Do you think they'll do something special? <sighs> Who knows? Who knows? They'll still be going. I mean, what is that? That's two years away. I, mean, I think they'll be. I think they'll be safe. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. They got it. They got it sorted out. Talking about things that may not be safe, though, um, of particular, well, of, of unique interest probably to our UK-based listeners, but if you're further afield, you may find it interesting as well. But um, there is a, as, as part of our ongoing, well, as part of the re renewal of our Conservative government, um, the the relay out of GCSE and A-level qualifications. So these are qualifications for pe for people to obtain at the age of 16 and the age of 18. That's a nice way of describing it, I think, isn't it? There we go. That kind of makes sense. Um, the exam, the overarching quality of assessments board, who also in there called Ofquel or whatever their name is, um, has declared that A-level music technology may no longer exist. Now, this was a decision they first made public at the end of March. Um, through omitting, through omission, it should be said. So they didn't include it. They they released a list of things that will be renewed definitely, and this wasn't on the list. And as a consequence, there's a little bit of a kind of campaign running to um, to ensure that A level music technology does actually remain as a subject available for people to study from the ages from the age of 16 to the age of 18. Uh, what we what in the UK we'd refer to as FE education, which is further education. Um, after, after the post compulsory, after post the compulsory period of education, as they say. <laughs> there you go. So if if you're in that sector, you're probably aware of it. If not, then you might have been aware of it. I was, I I was aware of it, kind of in a way that oh, I was like that's a bit of a that's a bit of a disaster, but hadn't been fully aware of it. But I was reflecting on it, having saw this link and read the story. I was really quite a quite shocked by it. Actually, it's just um, yeah, like. I don't, I'll, I'll be confrontational. I don't know if you've had a chance to read the story or not, Sam, but the way that I was thinking about it is that I'm, I know lots, of, I think one of the cool advantages of music technology as a program of study, I've always argued, is the fact that it provides an incredibly fun and interesting and engaging way of dealing with topics which are generally not particularly interesting. As an example, um, it's much more interesting learn about learning about wave interference patterns using additive synths than it is using a bucket of water and dropping pebbles in it. Um, that would be one. And I've always argued that you know even even at the university level, and I know some that you teach at this level as well. But mm -hmm. we we you know on the back of music technology courses, we you we do a, there's a lot of electrical engineering done. There's a lot of computer programming done as well as the actual kind of music technology stuff as well. So it, it seemed weird to me that, you know, A-level music is perfectly safe, but for some reason, A-level music technology wouldn't be. Yet A-level music technology actually provides far more useful transferable skills to people. As in, if you get somebody who passes A-level music, you know, somebody who passes A-level music technology or somebody who passes a music technology degree, you're generally getting somebody who will have a broad understanding of 
electrical engineering principles, a broad understanding of computing principles, and the ability to, to you know, do things on time and as instructed. You know, that's like a, it seems to be a fairly good skill set. Like, and it still does. I, I was just surprised that apparently it's not considered that way. Hmm. I don't know. Let's hear. What's your thoughts, Sam? Or were you just like, you, I, you were like, yeah, whatever, man. I'm saying it's just teenagers making beats. I'm saying they're not learning anything, Scott. Is that what you're saying? I'm, that is not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that if you want to do music technology, then why do A levels in it? <laughs> there's plenty, the point, yeah. there's, if, you know, there's, there are, I don't know, I, I haven't been paying attention to the FE thing for a while. Um, a levels is just kind of a, you don't have to be at school anymore, but you haven't really been like equipped to not be in school. So we'll give you a couple more years of schooling, um, sort of in between sort of stage. Whereas there are options at that age, post 16 in this country where you can go to do more vocational type things. So if you want to study music technology instead of, so A-levels people generally do, was it two or three, four subjects simultaneously? Is that right? Something like that, yeah. It's more than one, it's not like, it's not that they were full-time studying. If you're doing A-level music technology, you're also doing A-level something else. Yeah, that's what, yeah. And yeah, to get to get those kind of transferable skills and knowledge that you're kind of referring to there, which are accessible through studying music technology, why not just full-time, do full-time music technology as a national diploma or something like that, whatever the whatever they're called these days, NVQs or something, is it? I don't know. But, you know, there are options for doing that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. That's very true, Sam. I think, uh, yeah, perhaps so. I think I was, the, the attitude I was taking was that if we, if we, if we work on the basis that everybody's encouraged to acquire qualifications and if we, if we say, let's play that game, mm -hmm. then it seems the weird one not to offer when you're encouraging people to play that game by extension at the same point i would also concede that there are certainly more vocational methods of probably acquiring that skill set alongside cv lines which are probably more valuable in the long term but um as a yeah hmm hmm as they say and on that ponderance and such like that well actually you know what would be really cool because um i'm just going to say away from it here I, something that i was saying would be really cool is that obviously, um, and most of our listeners would know, but the three the three of us, I include Adam, who's obviously absent today, are obviously, while not entirely educationally focused, are all HE, are all HE people to a degree. Adam less so, but both Sam and I obviously teach in universities at the moment, so we're, we're certainly RHE focused in that sense. So it'd be really cool, actually, if somebody, if we've got a listener from the FE sector who would like to... Uh, you'd like to come on the show if you'd want to you know send us an email show at the audiopodcast.co.uk and we would be really keen to you know you know enlighten us tell us why well i don't think we've we're not supporting but you know i mean be interesting to get their kind of cold face opinion on that matter wouldn't it okay. so that's cool there you go if you want to contact us in other ways and um, you can also get us on their twitter at the audio podcast as well we're on google plus we're on facebook you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Gpodder, Stitcher, and YouTube if you want to and get the show as soon as it turns up. And we also now have an email. We have a mailing list as well. Now, I have to be honest that um, the thing that will make the mailing list work properly doesn't exist yet. Um, so you can sign up to our mailing list and you will receive no email, actually, is the consequences of that immediate action. But in the near future, you will receive the uh, 
the you will what you will receive actually is a copy of the kind of a copy of notes to accompany your offline listening of the audio podcast. So it will actually be a really cool little kind of thing. But you know, I've got third year projects to mark right now, so it's not been done. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. Yeah, definitely. Working in the education system, this is a busy time of year. Indeed, so it is. All right then. Um, well. I've been Scott here. This has been the audio podcast show 151 Free Hertz Upgrade. I am Samuel Freeman, and yeah, it seems like we'll be back next week. With Adam, perhaps. Awesome. That'd be good. Cool. We'll see you guys later. Have a good week. Bye.